one of the things that I've really attributed my success to is my ability to follow my intuition, which is a big phrase. But really what I um, equate that to is when I get outside influence from other people, understanding that they're coming to me with their own perspective. And while they love me and want me to succeed, it's often their own doubts and their own worries that they are projecting onto me. And so knowing when it's something that I need to take heed and when it's something that doesn't align with my mission anyway. And so um, a lot of times in my life, you know, for example, when I switched from being a biomedical engineer to a teacher in low-income neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. the feedback from that was not all positive. But I knew that that's where I was meant to be because it felt right. It was the thing that at the end of the day made me go... to another episode of Owning She. I'm your host, Sheena LV, and we are getting down to business. I have the CEO and founder of Worldwise Tutoring, Lindsay Wander, here with me this evening, and she definitely embodies Owning She. So everybody help me welcome Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you for joining me. Hi, thank you for having me on. You have quite an extensive education background. So can you tell us what led you to starting a tutoring business? Sure. Yeah, it was it was an interesting path for sure. Um, I actually originally went to school for biomedical engineering. And it wasn't until I started doing the lab work that I realized it was fun to learn about, but I didn't enjoy doing it as much. So Changed my major a couple of times, stayed in the sciences and the maths, but um, when I graduated, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So I did a bunch of internships domestically and abroad, and there was one that was with education, and I was hooked. (laughs) So I went back to school to get my teaching credential, and I started teaching um, in South Central California. I taught seventh grade STEM. And when I left California and moved to Chicago, that's when I decided to turn my part-time job of tutoring into a full-time job. And within a couple of years, I had outgrown myself and then had to turn it into a company. So it definitely wasn't something I thought, oh, one day when I grow up, I'm going to have a tutoring company. But it's almost like the universe laid it out for me and um, took me down a path that got me, you know, right where I was supposed to be. Seventh grade STEM. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, so STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. And so the main topic of science I was teaching was biology. But I would actively incorporate into that other aspects of technology, engineering, and math. So for example, when we would learn about the digestive system, rather than just look at a picture of it on a page, we would build it. 
Um, so I had boxes of materials that we would bring from home, like, you know, paper towel, um, the cardboard from paper towel um, holders and string and glue. And we would do what we could to build a functioning <laughs> uh, digestive system, which I found really helped to bring home the concepts more than just looking at a picture of it. So you have a science background. I really enjoy science in school. I really enjoy that. Obviously, there is a major need for education, especially inner city kids. So tell us about how worldwide tutoring benefits these type of children or children in general. So part of the issues I see with education is that we're not really teaching as much to the mind as well as the heart of our students. And what, you know, a lot of education has become based off of where it was originally started and what its purpose of starting was, is a lot of memorization or a lot of, you know, just give the right answer. And I feel like that's not setting our students up for success in the real world. So what Worldwise Tutoring does, and actually I have a sister nonprofit company that I started that is called Educate, Radiate, Elevate, that's focusing primarily on low-income students of color. But both companies are teaching what I call the underlying learning and life skills. And I tend to break those into three categories. So there's metacognition, which is thinking about how you think. So that's a lot of the self-awareness, the evaluating successes and struggles, the flexible thinking, the knowing about your learning style and different tools you can use in different environments. Um, there's a second category of executive functions, which is the get stuff done part. <laughs> um, so a lot of the planning, prioritizing, organizing, focus. And then the third category is um, some people call them soft skills, some call them interpersonal skills, some call them social emotional skills, but it's more of the empathy, the advocacy and the leadership, um, decision making, active listening, all of these skills that you really need to be successful in whatever job you end up in. And so what we do in both companies is while we're teaching the academics and the test prep and the enrichment subjects, we actually intertwine into the instruction lessons on those skills because it's more than just getting a good grade on a math test. There's so many more um, skills that students need to know to be quote unquote successful and happy in life. And that's really what we're working on teaching the kids because if it's not us, then who, you know? So we're so closely interacting with the kids that it's really, a, you know, I see it as our responsibility and our, and our um, opportunity to teach them these skills. Okay, so you said that you offer extensive support for schools and family. Can you elaborate a little bit on that for the listeners who are maybe looking to uh, maybe enroll their child or pass this information on to someone else? I mean, you know the old adage of it takes a village to raise a kid, and I really take that to heart where we need to be on the same page, if anything, for the sake of the kid, where the kid is getting the same message um, and the same support. So I really seek to understand what the household looks like, what the school support services look like, and being able to help our students to best match with those rather than showing them a whole separate methodology or strategy. So, you know, the goal is to get them to be, you know, better students, to be better siblings, to be better people, really. And um, it goes beyond just our once a week lesson with them. So 
I really, I like, I seek to understand what their outside world, you know, what the world outside of tutoring looks like for them and then meet them where they're at to make the lessons that much more meaningful and actually, you know, relevant to what their life is like. Well, that, that, that is definitely necessary. Um, mm -hmm. Wow, Lindsay, what you're doing is just so awesome. Oh my God, you are a godsend. But I have to ask this question. Um, how did you get from California to Chicago? Yeah. Um, well, I left California to come to Chicago. Um, when people, I get asked that question all the time. You know, people are just so dumbfounded. Why would you leave California for Chicago? And my response is always, have you been to Chicago? Um, and they're like, oh yeah, okay. You know, it is just, there's so many wonderful things about this city um, that I wasn't getting in California, not to say anything bad about California, but you know, everyone has their personal fit and it, and it is a good fit for me. Um, in terms of kind of where, why I carried this, this methodology on is more so just kind of in my experiences in my life and, and what I've seen as a teacher, I just felt that these were things that were lacking and I w wanted to seek to fill in those holes um, no matter where I was, whether I was in California or Chicago or, you know, again, I've been doing educational work all across the world. And in every single case, I'm really trying to go beyond the curriculum. I'm trying to go deeper with what I'm teaching and, and really help to help the students find their unique voice and find their passions and really put them on a path that is very much their own. I think what you're doing is so amazing. Teaching the children to be individuals is just paramount to being active and diligent citizens. And not only that, it gives us a sense of individuality. And that is just something that you can't, that can't be bought. Each child has their own learning styles. So this is just an amazing service. So I see that it says worldwide tutoring, right? Is that available for everyone across the globe or is that just in specific areas? You know, it's funny because we've been online for about six, seven years now offering that as a service online. But, you know, a lot of people were very hesitant, you know, can tutoring, can teaching be successful through a computer screen? Um, and, you know, now we've all had experiences with Zoom, for instance, and the whiteboard and the screen sharing and the camera. And we're like, oh, okay, like this this can work. And so it's been great in a sense because it's definitely opened up our ability to help students um, that maybe would be limited to get our services because of geography. It's also helped me to better match tutors with students where before I might've been again, more limited by geography. Um, so yes, this is a service. I have students that are, you know, in Puerto Rico, which is still the U.S., but it's not, you know, on mainland U.S. I have students in Poland, in France. Um, I have some wow. students in Thailand. Yeah, so we're, we are across, um, across the world and really just trying to make this type of service accessible to anyone, anywhere. Wow, that is that is amazing! Wow, you're really I mean, it's easy now with the technology. It's really you know, ten years ago it wouldn't have been possible, but it's so so easy to do now. So tell me about you, Lindsay. I want to know more about you personally. Which of your traits would you say have um, contributed the most to your success? It's funny, you know. I, I've really reflected on that a lot this year, especially in kind of where I've gotten to, and. 
you know, one of the things I always tell my students is you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, it's a lot of skills, and I'm sure a lot of people listening can agree, that we've acquired throughout our life that we are putting into effect now. And we would have probably never foreseen those skills to be applied the way we're using them now. So, you know, even my science background um, has really come into play in now being an entrepreneur. And, you know, to be honest, I've even just this year embraced that term entrepreneur um, because that was a hard one for me to really wrap my head around. But as a scientist, you know, the traits of observing, the traits of questioning the answers and seeking to understand and always being willing to learn and to grow have played really well into my ability to teach and to um, tap into the sense of wonder that kids naturally have. You said earlier, you know, you loved science as a kid. And um, a lot of, you know, kids just have this innate curiosity. They want to learn so much about the world around them. And taking my experiences, you know, as understanding what's going on around me and being able to make that exciting for them, I think is one of the things that made me really effective as a teacher. My underlying mode or motto of every single lesson was to make learning fun. And by making it fun, then they actually did all the things that I had to do, which was meet the standards and, you know, show mastery and all of that. But by making it fun, that was the way that the lesson stuck with them. And if we think back to things in our childhood or in our life that we remember most, it's that stuff that was fun, that really, you know, wasn't mm-hmm. the stages of mitosis, who cares? You know, it was the mm-hmm. way we had fun doing it, even with the digestive system. I, you know, I, I, once I made it fun for them, that's when they actually learned it. And so really just tapping into that sense of wonder as a scientist, which most have, and that's why it makes them are constantly questioning the world around them and bringing that to children was one of the things that made it really successful and then you know as an entrepreneur for any entrepreneurs listening it's it's a it's quite a path being an entrepreneur there's a there's a lot of self-exploration there a lot of times you question why am i doing this am i on the right path there's a lot of ups and downs um and so these are skills i also seek to teach our students you know in terms of finding their unique voice Um, listening to their intuition, not letting other people's doubts and worries sway them, um, taking calculated risks, building skills for resiliency, which is a really big aspect of education that's often overlooked but is super necessary, whether you own a business or in life. And so I took a lot of those lessons and have applied it to these are the skills that we need to know and that I kind of, and I think a lot of other people, had to learn the hard way and there's nothing wrong with learning it the hard way, but if we can teach some of these to kids from the beginning, it does just open up a whole new world of possibilities for them. Okay. And, um, you know, who knows what they can do from there. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. And I'm, I'm again, I'm so glad that you're doing this. I think I'm also going to take part in your services um, because we talked before the recording and I'm, and then I did my research and I'm like, man, what she's doing is awesome, you know, and it's so necessary. Excuse me. So we talked um, prior about this. So I know you are big on conscious and competent leadership. Could you tell us what that means? Yeah, absolutely. So those are three really big words. Um, Leadership itself has a lot of implications and I think is often misused. A person can be a leader 
in their home. They could be a leader of their family um, in the classroom. It doesn't mean that they have to be, you know, in the public eye as a leader. We all are leaders in some way. And what we are really seeking to do is work on not just the intelligence of our students, but also the mindset. Because I'm sure we've all can talk about times where someone who has worked their way up to a position of leadership because of their aptitude. But then as a leader, they really kind of sucked <laughs> as a leader. Uh-huh. And what I'm trying to do is make sure that our kids are competent in the sense of, yes, they have the knowledge, they have the skill set um, that applies to that particular subject or topic, but that they're also conscious. And what that entails is a lot of self-awareness, a lot of mindfulness, um, a lot of creativity and innovation. It also involves things like active listening and responsible decision-making and being empowered to advocate for themselves and then advocate for others. That's the, that's the stuff that's a little harder to teach. The good thing is this generation of kids that is rising up are really deep-hearted. <laughs> they are mm-hmm. really, um, really empathic, really big with their feelings. Um, they have big hearts. Yeah. And so what I'm trying to do is teach them how to harness that for good in the sense of taking it beyond the anxiety and the, the depression that a lot of our kids are feeling because of the overwhelm of what's going on around them and giving them the, the skills to take those feelings and actually do something good with them. Because really teaching someone to care is hard. Our kids already have that. It's just kind of making them more conscious of what to do with it. Um, so, you know, I, I tell my tutors all the time, you know, our goal, of course, is good grades and good test scores. And it's going to happen regardless. When kids get one-on-one attention, it, it's going to happen. But it's more than that. You know, we want to go into the consciousness of them as well and make them not just competent, but also conscious leaders. When you brought up the anxiety and depression of the children, mm-hmm. so now with the pandemic going on, we have a lot of kids that are doing e-learning um, Do you think um, that that is an effective way to teach children or how can we make that as parents better for them? Well, to teach and like with all educational tools, it's not a one size fit all. So I do think that it is an effective um, way of teaching some things to some students, but it's maybe not effective for all students. I also think that to be honest, I think we can go beyond what we've been doing with the the remote learning. I think that, you know, this 2020 was a survival year. It was, Uh let's just try to shift this quickly, knowing that not everyone has the same access to technology. Not everyone has the same background of experience with technology. Let's just try to get them something for now. But I do foresee a lot of innovators um, taking this idea that now people are more comfortable with remote learning and making it much more efficient and diversifying it so that it can reach students um, of different learning abilities, students with different learning styles. So I, I think it was good for what we needed at the time, but I don't think this is the end of it. I think it, it's going to evolve and it's going to improve. and. And I like the idea of that because 
some of my students actually have done better online. Some of my students do better in person, you know, and okay. it's just how it is. And it's nice to have different methods for different students. Again, you know, meeting them where they're at. Um, and when we do that as tutors, meeting our kids where we're at, where they're at, we get, you know, meet them at a place that they're comfortable to get them to a place of confidence. And then we start exposing them to these other methodologies because this is life. Our life moving forward, whether we like it or not, is going to be a hybrid model. Um, a lot of companies are moving to a hybrid workforce uh -huh. and probably won't go back to fully in person. And the idea of um, having skills for in-person and remote is really great for our kids because we're better preparing them for the future. So um, again, you know, giving kids to a place of confidence kind of where they already are, but then once they're there, let's, let's shake it up a little bit. Let's add in some more skills. Let's get them to a point where they can be put into any situation and thrive. Yes, absolutely. That is very, again, necessary. Um, so what advice and um, for the parents now that are at home teaching, um, like you said, I don't, I'm me either. I don't think that it's going to um, necessarily go back the way it used to be. And so now that we are doing this e-learning, um, and I'm going to spin back a little bit to what I just asked you a little bit ago, but what are some ways as parents that we can help the children grow into competent and conscious leaders? Advice I give parents is to back off a little bit. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, to let kids tap into their natural abilities as kids. So for example, you know, one of our things as parents is we want to keep our kids busy. The idle time makes us very nervous because um, we're like, oh my gosh, they're not learning, they're not doing anything. But mm -hmm. there is a lot of value in kids being bored. That's, you know, think to your childhood and the times when you would play in the street with your friends and all the creative things you came up with. And, you know, there is, there is a lot of innovation and creativity that comes out of boredom. And it also is good for them to find their own things that they're interested in. I've had a lot of students who have reflected on the fact that cutting out the noise of the group around them of even maybe the peer pressure and um, the input they're getting from others has really allowed them to explore what are they really interested in? Who are they? Um, and so giving kids that time to kind of be with themselves and figure themselves out is really good. So uh -huh. that makes a lot of parents nervous. So I guess my recommendation for those who are nervous about that would be you can make like a box of fun that's full of things that if your kid does get bored, they can go to it, you know, hobbies, arts and crafts, games, books. Um, you can even have a whiteboard at home with a checklist of things that need to be done every day, but allowing your child to choose the order or what to do for that category. For example, physical activity, 20 minutes, creativity, 30 minutes, um, chores, 40 minutes, you know, just whatever it is, but allowing them to decide what does that entail allows them a lot of um, learning a lot of skills of task initiation and decision making. And it also gives them a lot more buy-in because they're the ones you know, dictating what's being done, but you're still making sure certain things are being done and they're not just looking at, you know, a screen all day long. Right. Um, but there's, you know, a lot of value and again, not structuring everything for your child. A lot of the classroom setting is very adult centered. We tell our kids what to do, how to do it, when to do it. And that's purely because of classroom management. We have 
30, 40 kids in a room. We're trying to get everyone to sit down and listen. Uh-huh. At home, they are given the opportunity to be a little freer. And I would take advantage of that as much as possible. And then the other piece of advice I would give to parents is, you know, we love our kids and we want to protect them from any kind of suffering. And I would point out that struggle is different than suffering and struggle is good. And so even as an educator, I have to remind myself sometimes to step back and not just go into fix it mode and do it for the kids. Again, feedback I've gotten from a lot of kids during this time is that they've liked that they can't just raise their hand and have someone help them with something that they have to figure it out on their own. They like it. Um, So giving them more opportunities to feel frustrated, to feel stuck and to work their way through it and then, you know, feel supported along the way and have a discussion afterwards of what helped you get through it, what proactive strategies should we put in place for next time, not only helps them build those coping mechanisms and resiliency skills, but also shows them that they they can get through anything that comes their way as long as they are taking a, an active stance on it and um, that they are supported by you. But at the end of the day, like they have the skills within themselves, you believe in them. So when you mentioned the parents backing off, and I know we have a lot of kids <laughs> who are <laughs> suffering with that attention um, span, I, I suppose, and mm-hmm. um, being at home, like you said, it makes them a little bit more relax and they're like you know I'm at home this is not school so I'm not really feeling school right now so um, when that child it's time to actually sit down and learn and their attention span is definitely not on the computer what are some tips parents um, could use to kind of help with their attention span so I always advise to look beyond that time you're trying to get them to focus so consider um their sleep patterns, consider the diet that they're eating, consider their organization and the distractions that are around them um, beyond just that computer screen. I also encourage parents to have discussions with their children of the why, again, to give them more buy-in. Why is it important that you log into this class and pay attention? And not just because you need to do it, you know, like what are the actual benefits of this? You're going to learn this. You're going to learn the skills of this, this, and this, you know, beyond that that content that they're being taught. Um, for example, if a student is um, having a hard time with a math assignment and focusing on it, you know, I will present the whys of not only why it's important to learn this math concept, but why is it important to learn the skills of focusing on it, of finishing something to completion, of submitting it. Um, And those are all skills that we need for life. So pointing out the bigger picture. I think it also helps with kids to do some goal setting. You can do short-term and long-term goals. And by helping them um, set goals and then celebrating achievements along the way, really makes them feel the pride of accomplishing something and they're going to continue to seek out that feeling and so kind of creating you know maybe small things like saving ten dollars by the end of the week or you know it could be bigger goals too but again celebrating the achievements along the way rather than just the end goal because a lot of kids have a hard time seeing that big picture at the end of the tunnel so celebrating along the way 
um, is really good. And that can be incorporated into the school stuff too. Wow, you focused for 15 minutes straight on this assignment. Awesome. Let's take a one minute break, you know, whatever it is. But um, celebrating and rewarding those small milestones can really help to build motivation as well. Oh, okay, good, good. I'm, I'm glad I need to use that information myself, but um, thank you for letting me know that. So um, the big question is, I know that you talk a lot about the think like a scientist and having a entrepreneurial mindset. Can you expound a little bit on that for me? What does that mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I basically kind of say those two topics, um, again, back to my experiences in life. So, you know, the idea of as a scientist, we observe the world around us, we question, we um, look for problems to solve and to improve on. And there's always a constant forward motion of growth and progress without ever thinking, oh, we're done, Hand, you know, hands off, finished. There's mm-hmm. constantly a process of growing and learning and evolving. And um, I equate that to the phrase lifelong learning which is something that I do really seek to instill in my children or my students, because I think that if you really look at anyone who's successful, they would definitely qualify themselves as lifelong learners. And those are people who know they don't know everything, but are excited to learn more. Um, They're never really at a point of mastery per se, but they're always seeking to improve. And really what more can you ask from someone, you know, Uh and and to constantly seek to get better. And that, again, I think is just something that is a kind of a scientific mindset um, that I really try to instill in our students. And then in terms of the entrepreneur mindset, you know, that's a lot more of finding your, you know, find your role in this world. What, what are you going to do to, to change the world around you? And how are you going to do that with integrity? How are you going to do that um, in a way that's impactful and long lasting? And, and what are you gonna do in the moments that aren't so great, <laughs> you know, in the uh-huh. times that are hard, in the times where you feel doubtful and you wonder if you're on the right path? How are we going to react to those moments? Because any entrepreneurs who are listening know there are some real low lows in that world of owning a business. And you really start to question, am I doing the right thing? Because you start to intertwine your business so closely with your personality. So it almost becomes personal. Um, And it, it does take a lot of reflection. And whether you're an entrepreneur or not, I do think that having those skill set to really know what is your role in the world and be strong enough mentally to um, go through those lows is um, are valuable skills that I think anyone should have. And a good way for us to teach these skills is through school. It's, you know, low risk. You know, you're upset that about this math assignment. Okay, I'm gonna help you learn these skills so that when bigger things happen in your life, you can apply them. So I would rather these kids learn this in a situation um, that doesn't have as many long-term impacts than later on in life when it's a bigger deal. Yeah, yeah. So how would, um, how can you apply that entrepreneurial mindset to um, adulthood? Um, what are some things we as, a, as entrepreneurs and adults can do to stay focused, to um, just keep it going? It's a really good question. Um, 
One of the things that I've really attributed my success to is my ability to follow my intuition, which is a big phrase. But really what I um, equate that to is when I get outside influence from other people, understanding that they're coming to me with their own perspective and while they love me and want me to succeed it's often their own doubts and their own worries that they are projecting onto me and so knowing when it's something that i need to take heed and when it's something that doesn't align with my mission anyway and so um a lot of times in my life, you know, for example, when I switched from being a biomedical engineer to a teacher in low-income neighborhoods, mm-hmm. the feedback from that was not all positive, but I knew that that's where I was meant to be because it felt right. It was the thing that at the end of the day made me go, ah, you know, mm-hmm. not to say it without, without worries. I mean, of course, there's financial worries. There's a lot of logistical things there, but at the end of the day, I felt good about it. And so I learned to kind of weed out some of the advice I was given at the time and really follow what I knew was right for me. And I'm, I'm, again, I loved that job. So that's one big thing I would advise entrepreneurs is to know when something is genuinely something you should take heed of and know when something is just someone else's stuff they're projecting onto you. And at all times, remind yourself of your mission. What is your role? Maybe write it on a piece of paper where you can see in a short phrase. If it aligns with that role, go for it. If it's off that role, take, you know, take a minute to consider, am I, am I going on the right path with this? Mm-hmm. And then I would also say again, back to what we said before, don't take it so personally when things don't go well. It's all a learning lesson. Honestly, failure is inherent in growth. And sometimes you try something and it doesn't work, learn from it. (laughs) Don't take it personally. Don't think you're doing the wrong thing. Just try to improvise and grow and learn from it and get better next time. Awesome. 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 Awesome advice. So what what would you, what would be your biggest piece of advice to any um, educator, entrepreneur, parent, anybody that just wants to take things to the next level, but are struggling with that confidence level. Honestly, you're not alone. Everyone who seems super confident and successful to you has either gone through their own stuff or is going through it now. So my biggest advice would be to not be afraid to reach out for help um, when needed and know who to reach out to help for. And it may not be the same person or source for every situation. It might depend on what's going on. So, you know, with parents, there's a lot of parent shaming. There's a lot of um, feelings of isolation of I'm the only one dealing with this, no one gets it. And I always remind my parents, you are not alone. (laughs) This is universal. Talk to other parents that are going to be vulnerable with you, not as a rant session to be negative, but more as a place to toss ideas off of and to feel supported and heard. Um, Same thing with entrepreneurs. If you really dig deep to a lot of entrepreneurs, there's a lot of um, imposter syndrome, a lot of people who feel like they're faking it until they make it, you know, and that's a real common thing. And 
um, talk to them and understand that at the end of the day, they're still very passionate about what they do. And it's more than just the money and the success that they're achieving. They, this is something so ingrained in what the, who they are that it, it is really challenging for them to consider failure. But that's something everyone is dealing with. It's not just you and talk to people about it. Um, the bottom line I would say is don't be afraid to be vulnerable with the right people. Find a tribe that is supportive of you and sees, you know, who you are for who you are and isn't going to judge you for it and, and is there for you when, when you really need them to be there. Thank you. That is wonderful advice. Thank you so much for that. So where can people find you? Well, um, both companies have their own website. So Worldwise Tutoring, we work with students all ages, all abilities, all subjects. And the website for that is www.worldwisetutoring.com. And Worldwise is with an S. And then the nonprofit is K through 12, low income students of color. And the website for that is www.educateradiateelevate.org. Um, or if that's a lot to type in, you can type in eretutoring.org. Um, some people have a hard time spelling that all the way out. So I got both domain names just in case. Um, we're also on all social media and that's a good place for parents and educators and students because I'm always sharing out free events and free resources and free tips and advice um, on a daily basis. Again, just to really help people understand that these are universal concerns and we're all kind of trying to improve and get better at certain things and these are just um, tools you can use to help you feel <laughs> supported. So there's a lot of information on all of our social media accounts as well. Well, thank you, Lindsay, for stopping by um, Owning She and sharing your expertise and education um, background with us. And I hope to work with you again in the future. I, me too. And thank you for giving me the platform to share all this out there. So hopefully makes life a little easier for the listeners. Absolutely. You've just listened to another episode of Owning She with Sheena LV. Check your favorite podcast platforms for our past episodes and be sure to subscribe for new ones. Want to be a guest on the show? Visit www.SheenaLV.com forward slash contact. And remember to always own she.